Vigilantism is on the rise in BC. Police shoot a man who another police had issued a missing persons alert for. Canada sends more weapons and ammo to Ukraine, and Honduras moves away from Taiwan and towards China. Good morning. It's Thursday, March 16th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. Advocates are expressing concern about growing vigilantism in British Columbia after a man was shot in the stomach when him and five others walked into an encampment and tried to take back tools that they said had been stolen from his mechanic shop. In an article for CBC by Winston Sato, Nanaimo Mayor Leonard Krog said, quote, When government is no longer able to protect people and their property, we are in a dangerous place. He then called on help from the province and the feds. Now, I'll just pause here to mention that I saw Leonard Krog's name last week in a story where he was refusing to comment. I'm not sure I mentioned it on the podcast. Probably not, because I don't know if I would say local mayor had nothing to say. His comments were in relation to the landlord known as Dewey, who had illegally evicted a tenant and shut off her power and heat, turning off her oxygen. She was terminally ill. In that story, Krog refused comment, and it's very interesting that he's now concerned that people cannot protect their property, but he cannot come to comment on a landlord who is clearly breaking the law and being a dick. Okay, Krog. Anyway, there are other examples of vigilantism from across the province that Sato cites, from a private Facebook group in Penticton called Clean Streets Penticton to a group called Citizens Take Action in Dawson Creek. This Dawson Creek group, reports Sato, even took to tailing suspects. Tailing suspects, which is probably also known as criminal harassment, though there's no more information about why these people thought the people they tailed were suspects, what they did with them after they tailed them, and so on. Sato talks to advocate Fiona York about why vigilantism is not a great idea. York says, quote, it never would be a recourse for people to take matters into their own hands like this, except in terms of building communication or building a relationship or engaging on a different level, unquote. That's key to all of this, and it could stand to be teased apart. There are lots of references to cops letting people down and not doing their jobs in the story, which then becomes the justification for people to take the action into their own hands. And Sato ends the article with a mention of how much homelessness has risen recently. But really, if you're trying to recover something that's been taken from you, there is a third option that isn't calling the police or marching into an encampment with your buds and finding yourself getting shot. Having a relationship with people in your community, regardless of their housing situation, and not antagonizing people goes a long way. I recall when some equipment in my neighborhood went missing and we needed the help of someone who is local, who knows everything and everyone on the street. As the intermediary, he was able to get back what had been taken. And it wasn't difficult. It wasn't as if we were engaging in high level diplomacy. We were just treating people with respect. One of the guys who went into the Nanaimo encampment told CBC that their action was about taking a stand as a neighborhood. A reminder that taking a stand against the reasons for why petty crime exists 
isn't the same thing as taking a stand against the people who may have been involved in petty crime. Next to Red Deer, Alberta, where the RCMP has shot Samuel Clack. Clack is 30 years old and, quote, in hospital with a long road ahead, unquote, with no further information about his injuries. This comes from a CBC story for Megan Grant. Now, just three days before, Clack had been the subject of an alert issued by the Calgary police asking for help locating him. He had recently moved to Alberta from Winnipeg and he had lost contact with his family. This wasn't normal, said a release by the Calgary police. Red Deer police found him a couple of days later and shot him. He had been in a Walmart parking lot shooting a gun, according to police and according to a witness. But it wasn't until hours later that, quote, an interaction occurred, unquote, during arrest that they shot him. The article seems to only cite Calgary and Red Deer police and has no further information. Now to national news. Reuters is reporting that Canada is sending more military supplies to Ukraine. This time, it will be 8,000 rounds of artillery ammunition, 12 air defense missiles, and 1,800 rounds of ammo for Leopard 1 tanks. Ottawa is also sending eight Leopard 2 tanks in the next few days, though that has been previously announced. The article at CTV says that more than $1 billion has been spent on military support since Russia invaded Ukraine though it doesn't mention how much more has been pledged. Now, I don't know if CTV News cut pieces off this article as it's a rerun from Reuters, but it's only like 200 words, maybe even 150 words. DND's press release is longer as it includes a quote from Anita Anand and has more adjectives. More than a year after the invasion of Ukraine by Russia and after more than a year of Canada's support, it still baffles me that reporting on what is happening in terms of Canada's support is so thin. It is very interesting, though, the timing of this announcement, of course, coincides with the upcoming budget, which I expect will see lots more investment and donations like this for Ukraine. And finally, Honduras has decided to end its ties with Taiwan as it moves economically closer to China. The foreign minister, Eduardo Enrique Reina, said that the country's rising debt is behind the decision, not ideology, reports Al Jazeera. Honduras is the 14th of 14 nations with diplomatic ties to Taiwan. The country still has strong economic ties with the United States, which places Honduras increasingly among other nations who have both economic ties with the U.S. and China. When Honduras had asked Taiwan to double their $50 million of assistance they send every year, Taiwan refused. This convinced the country's president and foreign minister to seek help from China. Honduras is currently indebted $600 million to Taiwan. Taiwan said that they're willing to help Honduras within its capabilities, but that wasn't enough assurance for Honduras to keep their diplomatic ties. The U.S. State Department warned the government of Honduras that China, quote, makes many promises that are unfulfilled, unquote. Despite being an important ally with Taiwan, including supplying the state with weapons, the United States doesn't actually have formal diplomatic ties with Taiwan either, though it does with China. Costa Rica, Nicaragua, El Salvador, and the Dominican Republic 
have all sought formal diplomatic ties with China at the expense of a link with Taiwan in recent years, reports Al Jazeera. It signals an interesting shift among poorer nations to not pick sides between the two superpowers. Nearly 75% of Hondurans live in poverty, and the country is one of the poorest in Central America. That is all your news for this morning. It is Thursday, March 16th. I'm Nora, and I hope you have a good day.